has gone by. Um, our show, again, is brought to you by U.S. Air Radio Network on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, Michigan, and proudly sponsored by the Arab News newspaper, where I write op-eds and news and features. And you can read those stories at ArabNews.com. The Arab News is the Middle East leading English language print newspaper with editions in Saudi Arabia, Dubai, Japan, Pakistan, France, and uh, uh, bureaus in London, New York, and Chicago, where I am based. The U.S. Arab Radio Network was launched in 2005 by journalist and radio network and founder Leila Hosseini in an effort to energize and empower Arab Americans. And Layla was on the phone to me frantically just a few minutes ago. What's going on? So, Layla, we're back on, and we appreciate all your help. Uh, our uh, show with the Arab News is broadcast every Wednesday uh, through the election in mid-November. I have a feeling the election this year is going to go way past November 3rd. Um, and also on special Fridays, the second Friday of every month, and uh, Friday today, which I'm uh, sitting in and filling in for another uh, host uh, at U.S. Arab uh, Radio who was unable to uh, make the uh, uh, show. So we have a great guest uh, with us, and our first discussion is going to be about charitable work that our friend Vicki Robb does uh, as program manager for Life for Relief and Development in uh, the Detroit region. Vicki has been working with Life for Relief since January 1996. She has more than 24 years experience, leadership experience as a humanitarian, and her achievements have fostered both in-kind and monetary donations for the group. Her responsibilities include management of life's programs and its overseas operation. Vicki, thanks for joining us this morning. I wanted to do a program that does some good in the coronavirus pandemic uh, I want us to talk about the challenges that charities have in the Arab American and Muslim community, and I wanted to bring you on. I'm really sorry about uh, the disruption this morning uh, caused by the Internet. I mean, the Internet is the Internet. What are you going to do? So welcome to the show, Vicki. Thank you. Nice to be here. Oh, it's good Good to have you. So tell us a little bit about um, Life for Relief. Um, we have just about three minutes, and then I'm going to go to break. So normally it'll be odd, but uh, when we we'll keep you on for the full segment, and then we'll talk about boring politics at the end of the segment. We're done. But tell us a little bit about Life of Relief. What does it do, and who does it help? Well, Life is a global humanitarian relief organization that was established in 1992 by Arab Americans. Um, we provide aid to people regardless of race, gender, religion, or cultural background. Um, we're a registered 501c3 charity here in the U.S., and we are also in consultative status with the United Nations, uh, ECOSOC, which is the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations, which is the largest global alliance of U.S.-based NGOs, and uh, for over the past 27 years, we've distributed over uh, $481.6 million in humanitarian aid and relief all over the world in, in about 48 countries. That's a lot. And what, what kind of aid and relief? Because you know what? The sad thing is that, in especially in the United States, any charity associated with Arabs or Muslims, they always look at us from a negative way. 
and until they see the actual work we do, which is one reason why I wanted to make sure to bring you in Life for Relief, uh, because Life for Relief is one of the phenomenal charities in the United States. You do so much good, and I've been working with you guys. I've done, uh, I've uh, emceed several of your events, which I love, the people that come out, uh, the people that are benefited by your work. Um, tell us about some of the specifics that Life for Relief does to give the listener an idea about how this is such a legitimate and honorable charity, um, and they should see it that way if they're not familiar. Yes, we do work in a lot of different sectors. We do emergency relief. Like just this year, we uh, provided emergency aid to Puerto R- the Puerto Ricans during the earthquake earlier this year. We've done flood relief in Yemen, Sudan, and Afghanistan. We're um, in the process of drought relief right now in Kenya. We uh, are actually working right now down in Louisiana and in Haiti, uh, still helping with Hurricane Laura. We also helped with the blast in Lebanon, and we're still providing aid. We've shipped already four 40-foot containers of medical aid, and we shipped two containers of dialysis machines in partnership with NAMO, which is the North American Arab Medical Association. Um, We also are working on several projects. Um, One of them is we're providing one million loaves of bread to Syrians, families in the north of Syria. We're providing university education to Syrian students in Aleppo. We're working right now on back to school in many countries. We have, um, we're trying to supply backpacks filled with stationery and school supplies for children. Um, We also have a new project that we're just launching. Um, There's been a lot of power outages in Gaza. So the people are in need of solar lamps. So we're providing solar lamps to families in Gaza. We're also digging water wells in many countries. We have, we're digging about 145 wells right now. We're in the process of that. And we're prepping for our Thanksgiving uh, turkey and all the, the uh, complimentary food items that we'll be giving to families in different uh, parts of the country. We're also... What's interesting... Pardon? I'm sorry, Vicky. What's interesting was... Uh... Uh, NAMA, the National Arab American Medical Association, phenomenal organization of doctors that does, they do so much. Um, I've yeah. done several comedy shows for them over the year, and they have a great sense of humor. You know, you have to really be educated to understand my comedy. Otherwise, I get people that look at me and go, who is this guy? Get him off the stage. But what was fascinating about what you said, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I thought this is an important point. You uh, mentioned that you guys went to Puerto Rico to help the people there. Um, So it isn't just Arabs and Muslims. You help where people need help, correct? Yes, we're all over. We're helping here in the U.S. We have a a large program where we give uh, books and and school furniture to different organizations, including Native American schools all over the country. We've been doing that for about the past 10 years. It's a really good program. So we're helping everyone anywhere where we have no bias against anyone. Yeah, and I, and I think that's interesting that stereotype that we only help our own um, is not true. So life and relief really goes over a lot of countries, uh, regardless yeah. of what your ethnicity and religion, correct? Correct. In fact, we're doing hearing aid projects. Well, we, we had to actually pause our hearing aid mission trips uh, because of COVID, but... Our plan this year was to go into 
we did go into Guatemala earlier this year, but we were planning to go into other parts of South America and trying to help fit hearing aids into people that are hearing impaired. How is the uh, pandemic, and Mike, our producer, just mentioned that he did the break, so we can just go straight through to 8.30. We'll take a break then, and we'll do another 10 minutes after. Um, but uh, tell us about how the pandemic has impacted uh, I'm assuming it's made it far difficult to try to do what you need to do to help people. Has it been a burden in terms of uh, getting relief and support to people out there that need it? It has been a challenge. Um, fundraising, for one thing, has been a challenge. We've had to think of different creative ways to fundraise um, during this time. We also are working remotely like anyone else. So we're working from our homes, most of us, and we're you know, handicapped that way and trying to plan, but, but it's working out all right. We do have offices in other countries and the pandemic has hit hard at different times in, in all of those countries. We have offices um, in eight different countries. Uh, we also work through partners. We've actually provided COVID-19 relief, including hygiene kits, food aid, um, masks. We're working on a ventilator project right now in Iraq. Um, we've helped in 10 different countries to provide PPE and food aid. Here also in America, we've done a lot of work here. We provided Meals on Wheels for uh, the elderly. We actually did a project with Providence Ascension Hospitals we distributed gift bags to the to 6,000 recovering COVID patients um, in eight hospitals here in the Southeast Michigan area. Um, we've provided hot meals to workers in the hospitals, both here in Detroit and also in Texas. We're also continuing our food drives here in the U.S. Last Saturday, we just had one in, not a drive, we, food distributions uh, in Potomac, Maryland. So we're continuing that effort. Are you noticing a, uh, uh, a need that's greater as a result of the pandemic? I mean, so many people have lost jobs. Um, people that never anticipated losing jobs. Um, and I couldn't even imagine what I would do if I lost a job with all the things that I do and the responsibilities. Um, how, what, what's it like for people that you're helping? Is it tougher for them? Or is this just what you see all the time? I could never do your work because I would be crying all the time every time I saw somebody that needed help. And uh, I, I don't know if I could handle the emotional stress. of. So I admire what you and others do, uh, first responders, nurses, doctors, uh, and people that work with charitable organizations that help people that are in need. Uh, that need sometimes is so tragic, but... How, how bad is it and has it expanded? I'm, I'm assuming you have a lot more people that need help. We do. In fact, what is sort of surprising to our whole team here in the U.S. and kind of shocking is when we do have a food drive, you see the cars lining up for blocks on end, wow. you know, way back just to come through to, to receive a box of food. And here in the U.S., it makes you sad because you don't really think about poverty or hunger or people losing their jobs at the rate that we were, especially right. earlier during this pandemic. Um, it, it's really, it's been a shock, shocker and an eye opener for all of us. Yeah, I, I've uh, helped with some uh, local governments to organize food giveaways. 
And uh, because of the pandemic, we can't do it in a room. Uh, we have to stand outside. Um, everybody's wearing a face mask. Everybody's social distancing. And hundreds and hundreds of cars are lined up like a traffic jam, bumper to bumper, uh, move slowly snaking forward as we place the box of food in their car. Is that how you have to do that also? Yes, that's exactly what we're doing at every one of our wow. districts. Wow, that's uh, that's rough. How has and tell us a little bit about the the uh, support in terms of donations. You mentioned that you know that's been a challenge. Um, I imagine with a lot of people now losing income, losing jobs, and losing income, um, fear of the future giving probably is much tougher because the pool of people who are still able to give is getting smaller and smaller. Are you noticing? Uh, trend like that we have noticed that and we've actually lost our ability to do face-to-face fundraising so we've had to rely on new methods of fundraising for our organization we've we've established a phone calling bank we're trying to call people cold calling uh we actually are trying to do more uh like email campaigns mail campaigns this type of thing to get our uh, efforts out to the general public to see if we can collect donations to to provide help to the people of the world. Yeah, I I, I don't know how it, it's so difficult, and uh, even people who can donate, uh, uh, you know, when I talk to them, they're like stretched to the limit. So a lot of organizations that I work with, um, you know, political groups and government groups. Um, we've been holding back on asking for money because there's only a certain amount of money out there to donate um, so that people who normally donate to us can give to charitable groups like Life for Relief. And I just want to remind everybody again that we're on the line with uh, Vicki Tobman. Um, Vicki is the uh, program manager. Vicki Rob, excuse me, Vicki. Uh, Vicki is the program's manager at Life for Relief and Development. Um, she's been working with Life since January 1996, and she has more than 24 years' experience. You know, Vicki, 24 years of working for charitable groups. I mean, what I, you know, it's when you go to school and you're growing up, you think, oh, you want to be, especially in the Arab and Muslim community, we all want to be doctors. You know, our parents go, be a doctor, be a doctor, be a doctor, or be a grocery store owner, or be an engineer. They don't tell us, I know, and Arabs are so charitable and so generous and so kind. They don't say, go out there and be a social worker to help the needy. But they do that in our culture. You know, we never turn anybody away. Even an enemy that we're fighting with, if they need help, we're supposed to allow them to come in and feed them. So it is in our nature. But uh, that's a really admirable choice that you made to get into it. Had you planned on being, you know, pursuing a different career when you first started, um, you know, in 1996? Or was this what you were looking toward doing? Well, I, I was I, I was doing this work. I, I really actually I started when I was 16 years old working for Catholic Charities as a receptionist, um, you know, in the summertime, in the summer months, this type of thing. And it's something that I've really enjoyed doing, just trying to help people and serve humanity. And when I first started with life back in 1996, 
They were a very small organization, barely established. They had no offices overseas, just here in the U.S., just trying to help wherever they could. Um, Shortly after that, we started to expand, and I was traveling overseas to try to get um, our offices opened in different countries. We started in Sierra Leone, opening there. Then we went on during the uh, Afghan war. I went to Pakistan, and we established our operations over there. Iraq came, we opened our offices there in Iraq after the Iraq war, and we just moved on. Jordan, um, we opened in Nazareth, Israel. So we've just kind of expanded since then. And yeah, I've seen the operation grow and it's just been a wonderful, really career experience. And and I, and I want to remind our listeners too, that, uh, um, you do work in Israel. Um, you do help people that are there. Nazareth is part of, you know, the pre-1967 Israel. And, yeah. uh, you know, you work in the occupied territories like in Gaza, which is in, under tremendous stress. And I feel oppression and they need so much help. But you don't turn away from need even in Israel, which is a country where some Arab countries and people are in conflict. Um, you don't look at the conflict, do you? you? Conflict isn't what you judge things by, is it? No, we don't judge things by conflict, but conflict produces need for the people. Yes. So we try to serve the people's needs. That's our whole ambition, is to serve the needs of the people. And what's the toughest place to work, though? I, I, and have you been overseas yourself? Yes, I spent 10 years actually pretty much overseas working to establish the operations of of our organization all over the world. Um, and is it tough to do that overseas? I mean, uh, especially where the need is. Oh, it's tough. I worked in the war zones. I was inside during the wars. I was spent about three months in Iraq uh, during the war. I spent a lot of time in Afghanistan during the war. Yes, it was, you know, during the, the heavy war. Yeah, we, uh, we I've interviewed uh, uh, people with uh, uh, that work uh, in the medical field for uh, Syrian relief, for uh, Middle East relief. Uh, there are a lot of groups like the United Holy Land Fund, uh, which is a great organization based in Chicago that does much what you do also. Um, but Life for Relief is such a big international organization, and we're, we're really excited to have you on. Let, let's take a quick break right now, okay, uh, Vicki? And okay. Uh, when we come back, we'll continue the discussion for a little bit longer. Um, it's Friday, October 16th, and this is the Ray Hanania Show. I'm Ray Hanania, the special U.S. correspondent for the Arab News newspaper, a columnist and media consultant here in the U.S., very proud to be Palestinian-American, Very proud to be Christian, Arab, and married to a Jewish wife. Um, And I love to say that because it reminds people that good things can still come between Arabs and Jews. It doesn't always have to be a a tough fight. Um, Our show, the Ray Hanania Show, is brought to you on the U.S. Arab Radio Network on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, Michigan. Proudly sponsored by the Arab News newspaper where I write op-eds, news, and features. Their website is arabnews.com. We are on the line with uh, Vicki 
Rob, who is a program manager at Life for Relief and Development. And we're going to continue this discussion. But first, we're going to take a break right here at WNZK AM 690. And then we'll take calls later on if you want. We'll talk a little bit about politics and uh, stories about how uh, Arab voter activism is really ramping up in Minnesota and Michigan, uh, two states that are in, I call them, sub-B category contention. Um, These are battleground states. Uh, These aren't the top three battleground states, but Minnesota and Michigan are in that group of second-level battleground states, and they could make a difference for Joe Biden. So we'll talk a little bit of politics a little bit later. I'm Ray Hanania. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back right after these messages. Life is a nonprofit charity that's provided humanitarian aid and development to people and communities for over 25 years, regardless of race, color, religion, or cultural background. When disaster occurs here or around the world, Life for Relief and Development rushes in to provide food, medical aid, and shelter to those in need. Please help improve these efforts. Make your tax-deductible donation to Life now at lifeusa.org or call 248-424-7493. Read the Arab News newspaper for the latest on the U.S. elections, the battle for president, and breaking news and unique stories on Arabs in America and the world online at arabnews.com. The Arab News newspaper is the leading English-language newspaper in the Arab world with editions in France, Pakistan, Japan, Dubai, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, and bureaus in London, New York, and Chicago. Join the more than 5 million people who follow the Arab News on Facebook online at ArabNews.com. Ziad Brand. Quality products from our family to yours. Ziad Brothers Importing offers the finest quality products, including brands like Sultan, Kraft, Nestle, Hook, Rico Picon, Donna, and many more. Ask your retailer to carry these fine products because you deserve the very best. For more information, visit our website at www.ziad.com. That's www.ziad.com. Ziad, quality products from our family to yours. When you're looking for the best in optical care, Dr. Imad Nakash is your doctor to see. With years of experience and thousands of successful procedures performed, you can trust your eyes to Dr. Imad Nakash. See Dr. Imad Nakash and his professional staff for your eye care needs. There's two locations to serve you. In Hazel Park, call 248-336-3937. 248-336-3937. In Rochester Hills, call 248-299-3937. That's 248-299-3937. Get ready for an amazing experience at Ishtar Restaurant on 15 Mile Road in Sterling Heights. Enjoy excellent hospitality from owners Ali al-Baghdadi and Fatty Bottom serving the best in Mediterranean food. Try Chef Ali al-Baghdadi's famous shawarma, the best Iraqi grills and food, and the best Arabic and international dishes. Dine in our authentic atmosphere or take out. Call 586-698-2585 or check us out on Facebook. Ishtar Restaurant practices all CDC guidelines and is open every day, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Have an amazing experience today at Ishtar Restaurant, 3625 15 Mile Road, Sterling Heights. And in these times of the pandemic and coronavirus, COVID-19, places like Ishtar Restaurant, they need your help. A lot of these restaurants having, you know, challenging uh, 
times to provide great food and service to the public because they're under great limitations in terms of how many people can be in a restaurant, how many people you know, can be in their little outside patio. It's cut their income and that is killing restaurants. A lot of the restaurants that are closing, when you look at the in- restaurant industry reports, a lot of Arab American and Muslim American restaurants and ethnic restaurants, other ethnic groups are among the first that are closing because they have such a targeted and limited uh, audience uh, customer base. So the bigger you are and the, you know, uh, that uh, the more people that you serve, the broader your service, uh, the easier it is to survive, even though it's still a challenge. But for these smaller restaurants, like especially Arab American and Muslim restaurants, where our food is very, you know, uh, unique and uh, you have to have a taste for it. And although it's spreading all over the United States, um, more and more Americans are learning to love our uh, uh, Arab food. I love to cook Arab food, stuffed grape leaves. You know, I love to make that all the time. Stuffed zucchini, stuffed potatoes. I love to stuff everything, lamb and rice. Um, but it's an acquired taste. And uh, so those Arab restaurants, you need to go out, you need to support them and give them your support because they are facing challenges that are even worse than the mainstream uh, restaurants are facing. Um, you're here back at uh, the Ray Hanania Show, WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, sponsored by the Arab News newspaper at ArabNews.com. Our guest is Vicki Robb. She is Programs Manager at Life for Relief, and Vicki was giving us an overview of some of the challenges uh, that the charity industry, the service industry, social service, the needs industry is facing as a result of coronavirus. Um, and uh, Vicki, I don't know if, well, other issues that you want to bring up. Tell us a little bit more about Life for Relief, anything you know that you want to make sure that the audience knows about your organization, how they can help. Uh, where they can go? Is there a website that they can go to to donate? Yes, uh, life. We we are taking donations online at www.lifeusa.org, and right now we are ramping up for beginning the Thanksgiving season and also Christmas. We're starting a program to give toys and gifts to foster children throughout the United States, and also we have a winter program that we're working on now for overseas to give blankets and winter jackets to families, children and families all, all over the world. So you can help us out by going to our website at www.lifeusa.org or you can give us a call at 1-800-827-3543. We appreciate all the we receive. Hey, have you seen a higher response? I mean, because the need is more recognizable today and so uh, burdensome. Um, are you seeing more and more people actually reaching out to help? Or is it getting tougher to get donations and uh, food and funds and things to help the people that need? Well, it's been a little tougher to reach out to people because we don't have the face-to-face ability to fundraise anymore. So it, it has been tougher to reach out to people. But the people that we do reach out to usually open their hearts and their pockets and try to, to give as much as they can. And we appreciate that so much. All right. Any other thoughts? Anything else you want to say? Life for Relief. I, like I said, I've been to several of your events. Uh, I've been honored to be the MC a couple times. And I think I even did a comedy show there a number of years ago. Um, so please, uh, you know, 
tell everybody that I appreciate all the work you guys do. Um, a lot of times we focus on the tragedy, um, but we don't focus on, enough on the people that are there to respond to the tragedy, the need, people that are there to respond to the need. Um, so I think people like like yourself who are doing so much that you're able to dedicate your life to do this for more, you know, for 26 years um, is a very admirable thing that you're doing. And uh, it's just so uh, proud to have you on the program. Not everything is contentious politics. Sometimes we've got to talk about good things like what you do. Yes. No, really, we all, that's what we're here for is to help each other, no matter what, political or non-political. We all have to somehow come together and help each other. It's so important. All right, Vicki Robb, our guest, Program Manager for Life for Relief and Development. Um, their website is lifeusa.org, lifeusa.org. Uh, Vicki, thank you for all that you do. Thank everybody over at Life for Relief and Development for everything that they do. Tell them they have a friend here in Ray Hanania. Um, you guys have always been great to me, and uh, anything that I can do to help you get the word out, I'm more than happy to do it. You're such an honorable group. You, uh, The work that you do goes to help people that are in need, and I hope any Americans who are watching this recognize that, that you're a good group to help. The website, again, is lifeusa.org. Vicki, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for having us, Ray. We appreciate your, your help with helping get our word out to the public. Well, I, I'm going to go back to school and get a degree in technology now because it isn't enough to have a degree in political science or journalism uh, or a pre-med base. I was going to be a doctor before I got into all this. Um, but with the way the technology is, there's so many issues and it, it makes it difficult. So I apologize for the little disruption we had at the beginning of the show. But Vicki, thank you again. It was great to have you on the radio show. Thank you. All right. We'll see you later. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, and everybody else, we're here at uh, the Ray Hanania Show on WNZK AM 690. Let's take our last break. And uh, when we come back, I want to talk about politics because I love politics. And uh, we will uh, look at the this reports of higher than normal uh, turnout of Arab Americans and Muslims in two states, Michigan and Minnesota. And I, we're going to talk a little bit about that. If you want to call in, our number is 248-557-3300, 248-557-3300. You can call in if you have a question, or you can go to our Facebook page at RG Hanania, facebook.com slash R-G-H-A-N-A-N-I-A. We're broadcasting live. Uh, this is our special Friday show, Friday, October 16, 2020. Um, our big show sponsored by the Arab News is every Wednesday and uh, on the second Friday and on special Fridays. I do uh, broadcast and I'm proud to do that with the U.S. Arab Radio Network on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, Michigan. I'm Ray Hanania. We're going to take our final break and we'll be right back, hopefully, to talk to you about the election, politics, and uh, activism in the Arab and Muslim community. I'm Ray Hanania. We'll be right back right after these messages. Water covers 71% of the world, and the Arab News newspaper covers the rest. With breaking news from across the Arab and Muslim world, and the latest on Arabs in America. Get inside the headlines with expert analysis and insight. 
at ArabNews.com. Join 5 million Facebook fans who stay in touch with the Arab News, the Arab world's leading English-language newspaper, online at ArabNews.com. الأكل الشامي الأصيل فقط بدماس كوزين زروهم على 28841 أرشد لك بفارمينغتون هيلز ولطلباتكم اتصلوا على 248-987-4609 That's 248-987-4609 دماس كوزين and catering جبنا لكم الشام لعندكم At Top Rehab Physical Therapy Clinic in Dearborn, we provide effective physical therapy sessions in order to limit pain and discomfort. Top Rehab provides physical therapy care for any diagnosis prescribed by a physician, and we regularly see and treat conditions such as stroke, TMJ, fibromyalgia, sciatica, joint pain, and more. We use a variety of pain management methods, including modalities, soft tissue mobilization, and therapeutic exercise. If you're in need of physical rehabilitation or physical therapy, get the highest quality health care at Top Rehab. Most insurance is accepted and we're open Monday, Wednesday, and Friday 8 to 6, Tuesday and Thursday 8 to 5, and Saturday 10 till 2. Call for an appointment today at 313-846-0555. That's 313-846-0555. Choose Top Rehab Physical Therapy Clinic on Michigan Avenue in Dearborn. Life's too short to be in pain. Kashat's Mediterranean Market and Shish Kebab offers a great array of your favorite Mediterranean meals. Meals range from lamb specialties, shawarma sandwiches, seafood dinners, and they offer special big trays of your favorite food, plus much more. Kashat's Mediterranean Market and Shish Kebab address is 32839 Northwestern Highway in Farmington Hills. Their phone number is 248-538-9552. That number again is 248-538-9552. And the supermarket is open from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. Kashat's Mediterranean Market and Shish Kebab will definitely leave you satisfied. And welcome back to WNZK's The Ray Hanania Radio Show here Friday, October 16, 2020. A special edition of The Ray Hanania Radio Show brought to you by the U.S. Arab Radio Network and the Arab News newspaper where I write uh, op-eds, columns, and news. We're very proud to be sponsored by the Arab News, which is the Middle East's leading English-language newspaper with uh, editions and bureaus in Saudi Arabia, in Dubai, in Japan, in Pakistan, in France, uh, and bureaus in London, New York, and Chicago. Uh, I'm hoping that I can go to uh, France. I want to convince the editor, my buddy Faisal Abbas, what a great guy he is, to send me to Paris to become the bureau chief over in Paris. That's where I want to work, okay, <laughs> and do some writing. Although I think that there's probably more political stories that are here in the United States than there are in uh, France, 
that uh, pol- politics in a real sense uh, that I think can be reported on. Um, we were very fortunate to have a great guest, Vicki Robb. I wanted to give a spotlight to people who do charitable work uh, in this very tough environment of the coronavirus. And uh, Vicki Robb is the program manager for Life for Relief and Development. And she was telling us about how difficult it is uh, for uh, charitable charity workers uh, and charitable organizations to raise funds and do what they normally do. Um, it's hard to get funds because they can't meet face to face. The need is probably doubled. It's increased significantly as a result of uh, coronavirus. So it's tougher uh, with limited re- with less uh, resources coming in and more people that need help. You can imagine how tough it is. So if you get a chance, go to lifeusa.org and give them a hand. We got some politics, of course. The election is November 3rd. Uh, The Air News on uh, Wednesday, October 28th, we're going to reveal the results of our YouGov poll that we do regularly. YouGov is a polling organization that we work with. They do a phenomenal job. And uh, they've done some, they did some great insight in the 2016 uh, election that really was spot on in terms of uh, how the Arabs looked at Hillary, uh, how the Arabs looked at Donald Trump. I think there were more, obviously, back in 2016, more Arab Americans and Muslim voters supported Donald Trump, probably about 30% of the population in the U.S. Um, but that's a hard number to pin down because the U.S. Census. And the government doesn't recognize Arab Americans or Muslims as an important ethnic group. They talk about us, but they never do anything for us. Let's be honest. Um, and that's not just under Republican administrations. That's under Democratic administrations because through the eight years of Barack Obama, um, they never were able to advance us forward. And they always blamed it on the Republicans. The truth is that they didn't fight for us enough, whether they're Democrats or Republicans. They And the reason... They don't want to count us. The reason they don't want Americans and Muslims is because when you're counted officially by the U.S. government in the U.S. Census, you qualify for several things. One of the things you qualify for is a big chunk of the money that we pay as a taxpayer all my life in this country making a lot of money. I pay a lot of taxes. I don't get any of that back as an Arab American. Uh, Muslim Americans who do the same don't get any of that back at all because we're not listed in the census. And on top of that, politically, we're not properly represented in this country. Districts are drawn, congressional districts are drawn based on the census data that groups ethnic groups. So I'm going to show you in Chicago, for example, they built a Hispanic district uh, that had one circle of residents on the north side of Chicago, a little umbilical cord that went all the way down to the south side, and another large circular pocket of Hispanics there. This uh, it looks like a barbell, a bent barbell, uh, incongruous. It wasn't one solid district. It was two areas that are connected by a little string of blocks Um, And they created a Hispanic district for Hispanics because the U.S. Census said those two areas that were not connected had large Hispanic populations. Now, if they would do that in the United States, 
uh, for Arabs and Muslims, you would see a lot of changes in the congressional districts to represent Arab Americans and Muslims because when they consolidate us in a district, it augments our voice. And that's why they don't want to include us in the census, because they don't want Arabs and Muslims to have a voice in politics. But despite that, and despite our own cultural problems of always fighting with each other, not respecting people, and not, uh, you know, we're victims of oppression from the Middle East, and we bring that victimization here to the United States, where it is uh, actualized in internal divisions and community fights and you know, we don't work together very well as Arab Americans. We do work together in small groups. Everybody wants to be a president for life in the Arab American community. Everybody wants to have their own organization. Uh, the best way to get uh, a lazy person off his butt in our community is to go do something uh, like start a newspaper. And as soon as you start a newspaper, the person, rather than supporting you, will go start a newspaper of their own because there's this uh, tendency to bring yourself down when you're a victim. Because the oppressor is so strong, you tend to refocus your anger on the people around you, your own people. That is a trend in human nature that is the result of being victimized the way Arabs and Muslims are. And it's hard to recognize when you're a victim that you're doing this because you're angry and you're emotional. But that is changing slowly and steadily, and we're going to do some stuff. Uh, there's a great story that was published this week about Arab Americans. I'm going to look into this for the Arab News at ArabNews.com. I'm going to do a story also about how they expect a higher turnout of Arab and Muslims in the November 3rd general election and how they believe that may make a difference in two states. The problem is, of course, the two states are talking about are Michigan and Minnesota. Now, Minnesota was a state that Hillary Clinton won. It is still a contentious state because in 2016, Hillary won it only by 46.4%, and she was only about 1.5% above Donald Trump in Minnesota. So maybe uh, the activism in Minnesota is going to increase the voter turnout there among Arabs and Muslims. Uh, for Joe Biden. But the truth is, you know, even with a bigger turnout and bigger vote in Minnesota, um, Joe Biden's only going to get 10 votes, uh, delegate votes, um, you know, presidential delegate votes. It doesn't change. And that's been the problem with uh, this election process. I, I think the delegate system is the proper way to go. Uh, but if you don't recognize it and you don't build your campaign based around that uh, need, there's a ten tendency to believe that it's the popular vote that should be the deciding factor, but it's not. Hillary Clinton had three million more votes than Donald Trump had in 2016. And the reason for that was that uh, Hillary's vote was really strong in Democratic areas like California and New York and Illinois. Uh, what we needed to do was get her vote out in other areas. You know, where the Republicans are strong, like Idaho, Montana, South Dakota, you get more voters out there, it's going to make a difference. Um, but there are seven states that are in contention. Uh, Michigan is one of them. And that's 16 delegate votes. And uh, Hillary was 38 votes short of winning the nominations uh, behind, uh, which would be 270. Trump had 306 votes. Hillary had 232 
But if you change 38 of those votes, you would flip it and Hillary would have just won by one vote and uh, Donald Trump would have lost. But uh, if you want a significant change, you're going to have to change several states. But what Hillary, uh, what Joe Biden needs to do is he needs to win two big states. Ohio has 18 delegate votes. Michigan has 16. 16 is almost half of the votes that she needs, those 38 votes uh, uh, that Biden needs to win the uh, uh, election November 3rd. Um, so there's a possibility that uh, that activism in Michigan could swing the state for the Democrats for Joe Biden uh, in the November 3rd election. Although it is close, and I'm going to tell you what, if Trump wins by one vote, he gets those 16 delegates. Um, so, And even if they do win those 16 delegates in Michigan, there's still going to be 18 delegates, I think, uh, 12, 22 delegates, sorry, 22 delegates short. Uh, Biden will be 22 delegates short if they only win Michigan. The three big states that I think you should watch for in this election are Pennsylvania, Florida, and North Carolina. If Trump has any problems in those three states, he is definitely losing the election. If he can't win Pennsylvania, if he can't win Florida, and which is tight, um, if he can't win North Carolina, um, he's gonna. that's an indicator that he's in serious trouble. So Florida is 29 delegate votes. If he can't win those 29 delegate votes, then a win in Michigan puts Biden over the top easily with Florida. Um, but if Trump wins all three of those states, Pennsylvania, Florida, and North Carolina, and you watch, mark my word, you watch on election night, you check that out. Um, if Trump wins those states, chances are he is going to win re-election. There are four sub-states that are battleground, sub-battleground states, and those are Ohio, Michigan, Iowa, and Georgia. Um, Michigan is one that where Arab Americans and Muslims can make a difference. Ohio, too, although it's not as strong uh, as possible, the Republicans, Trump won Ohio 51.3% to 43% uh, for Hillary. Iowa was uh, a 10% difference for Trump, um, and Georgia was a 5% difference uh, for Trump. He led by 5%. Um, they can get close in those areas, and in order to win the election, you'd have to win. Biden would have to take three of those states, Ohio, Michigan, and Iowa, or Michigan, Iowa, and Georgia. Uh, he can't win unless he flips those states. The only two states that Hillary was weak in were Minnesota and New Hampshire. And uh, Biden needs to make sure that he's strong in those two states so he can hold the base that Hillary had in the election in 2016. So it's going to be interesting. And I'm going to tell you, don't believe the polling because the polling is misleading. Polling is based on popular voting. It's not uh, a portion based on delegate votes and delegate counts. It should be weighted that way. The polling should be weighted in a way to give you a better perspective in terms of what the real thing is. If I were the pollsters, I'd just be polling Pennsylvania, Florida, and North Carolina. And I'll tell you what, if Biden is winning Pennsylvania, if he's winning Florida, if he's winning North Carolina, really winning, if the polling is really accurate, because, you know, um, the Trump voters were bullied by Hillary. She called, she called them names. She embarrassed them. She said you were deplorable if you 
supported Trump. That was her arrogance that really cost her the election. Um, Biden has been completely different, reaching out to the Arab American community, creating a six-page platform and policy uh, guideline for working with Arab Americans. He, Biden really cares. Um, Trump taking us for granted. Uh, almost 30% of Arab American Muslims voted for Trump and he's treated us like we're nothing. It's impossible even to get interviews with them. We're significant. But I don't think it's that he thinks we're not significant. I think it has to do with his organization. Uh, they're terribly organized. They do a poor job of organizing. Um, they can't get their message out. Twitter is the worst way to communicate. I, I, I don't know. I have like 6,000 people that follow me. I, and I follow, I don't know, even just like uh, uh, five 600 people, even following five 600 people on Twitter, I cannot read everything that is published. It's impossible. So to base your communications on a social media platform like Twitter is such a monumental mistake and failure for Trump. It's only caused him trouble. Anyway, listen, I want to say thank you to everybody for listening. I'm sorry that there was a little uh, disruption with the Internet in the beginning of the show. That's the way it is. There's not much that we can do about it. Um, But it was great to have Vicky Robb from Life for Relief and Development, a Arab and Muslim organization that does so much to help the needy people, especially in this coronavirus pandemic um, we need to do more. There are less people who can donate now because so many people are out of work. Our, my heart goes out to all of those people that have lost jobs. And there's that means that there's an even greater need. So with less resources, they're trying to help even more people. I want to thank Mike Chupka for our producer at WNZK AM 690 Radio in Detroit for helping us get through all the issues. And, of course, the Arab News newspaper, the leading Uh, English language paper in the Middle East, ArabNews.com. I'm Ray Hanania. Go to my website at Hanania.com for more information and my podcast. Thank you, everybody. And I will be back on Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, with another great program here on the Ray Hanania Show. Have a great weekend. Talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you for watching.